see you here this morning. Hey, do you, uh, are you glad that you're at church this morning? All right. You know, uh, as we, as I've looked at this over and over, this 2020 is, you know, that I hope you understand that this year we're going to try our best to give you tools that give you 2020 vision for what's coming in your life. And as much as we know, uh, we don't know what the future holds. We know who holds our future. And as we begin to seek His face, we know that He'll make things known to us. It's called by revelation. Uh, it's actually the Word of God is prophetical. We, we can walk in knowledge. You know, at the chapel, one of the things that I've always believed in is that the Word of God changes our thinking. And as you know, that also that all kinds of words and influences in our life can change our thinking. But when we are people of God, when we have put our faith, when we've taken the step and said, God, you're Lord of our lives, then we believe that a transformation begins to happen. And that transformation begins when we get into the Word of God and we make it the Word that is dominating our life. Now, dominating is a pretty strong word that usually we use as a negative influence. But when we understand that God has the best for us and what's the best for us, when the Word of God gets into our mind, it begins to transform us by changing our thinking. You have seen this banner hopefully before, and some of you might go, Whoa, I've never seen that. Well, look there. And if you can't see it from over there, that's all right. You can take a picture later. But when the Word of God changes your thinking, it changes your emotions. Now, this morning, we're going to be talking about this subject, What Makes You Happy? And a lot of times, what makes you happy is an initial initial, not a lasting, but an initial step into making you happy. Some of us know what caffeine happiness is. You know what I mean? It's not sustaining. Sometimes around, you know, uh, noon, it starts waning until the point where we realize, what was that about? But the Word of God changes our thinking, then it changes our emotions, and then it changes our choices. The choices that you're making today will affect where you are tomorrow. And we've, we've said that before, but there's something about that saying, well, then why are we doing sometimes crazy things? We'll talk about that also today. But when your choices change, your habits change, your character, your destiny then changes. I'm going to talk about your habits just for a minute. You know, I heard of a bank. I don't know if you guys saw this in the news. Uh, that there's a bank that's going to deposit in your account every day $86,400. Every day. If you didn't see that in the news, because it wasn't there. But anyway, $86,400 every day. But here's the thing. Every night at midnight, it will be canceled out whatever you don't use. There will be no balance that will be carried over into the next day. You'll only be able to use that 86400 for that day. Well, here's the good news. The next day, another $86,400 will be deposited in your account. But at the end of that day, anything that you will not use during that day will be canceled out. No balance will be carried over. Now, let me tell you the, the parallel to this. We all have that bank in our life. It's called the Bank of Time. That's a pretty cool illustration, isn't it? All right, just, just wanted to see. 86,400 seconds is deposited in your life every morning when you get up. 
And the question is, what are you going to do with it? At the end of the day, every second that we waste is never more, you know, it is gone. We cannot go back and draw off of that wasted time and say, you know, I'm stockpiling it over here for later when I have this and that and whatever else. You know, I have more money, I have more whatever wisdom. No, it's gone. So in the next month, two months that are coming, starting in February and March, we start a new time, a new uh, curriculum called Habits. Now, We've done a lot of teaching, and this is so practical. I'm telling you, when we've gone through some of the things, if you've been a part of this church, and I know that people that have gone, you know, I was here, and I just can't believe that I'm here, and I look back on my life, and man, just how God has brought me through. You know, I was doing this in my life as a job, now I'm doing this in my job. I, I, I was living in this place, and now I'm living in this place. I mean, I'm just so much better off. It's because the Word begins to get into your life and you begin, here, here's the hope, that we become happy. Here's another word, prosperous. It's amazing that people just that get their toes into the Word of God and they give, eh, you know, that faith stuff doesn't work in my life. No, you, faith tried you and you didn't work at it. We know our society, we know our culture, and it's a culture that says, I don't want to work, but I want everything. It's the same thing when you get into the Word of God. You have to work the faith in your life to be able to see things come about. Don't sit on the couch, you know, the whole couch potato and expect money or, you know, wisdom or everything to rain down. You know, I didn't really know how to parent. I didn't read a book. And by God, I got, a, I got an award of being the best father in the whole world. No, that just doesn't happen. So during this time that we realize that every day 86,400 seconds are given to us, here's what we're going to be talking about in this next season. In February and March, habits. Now, now listen to these statements. Success is a product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. Now, just because I said that word, it doesn't mean what I just said about the Bible transforming us. The, the transforming of the Bible, the Word of God in our life, is a process. It's a system over time. It's not the caffeine fix. Listen to this one. Goals are, this is very, this hit me the most. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. If you want to predict where you'll end up in life, all you have to do is follow the curve of tiny gains or tiny losses and see how your daily choices will compound 10 or 20 years down the line. Now listen to this. Breakthrough moments are often the results of many previous actions which build up the potential required to unleash a major change in your life. See, we know that the Bible says that the greatest commandment, because we say it every week, we, we say love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We, we leave out the part about loving yourself. That's why a lot of people can't love another person. They're things that they're not putting into themselves. I'm not talking about a self-pride or the negative part of loving yourself and being arrogant. I'm talking about realizing who God created you to be. 
And when you realize that, then there is a capacity that is, begins to grow that you can accept realizing what we're talking about, what makes you happy. This is all going together. And I, I know, because for John Miller, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll walk along and bing, the light bulb will come on. And it, 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 I see now. Hopefully I'm kind of giving you what's coming so that you'll kind of be on that, you know, that detective, you know, trying to figure it out because it will come together. I believe that. See, we believe, well, let's just put it this way. The pastor wants you to be happy in life because if you understand, we all are on a quest to be happy. And if you're happy, you become a better person and you can love me more and I need you. We all are better once we realize who God has made us to be. And some of the distractions and some of the things in our life that are stealing our happiness. If, if I said this morning, what makes you happy? There's a lot of us that go, you know, I really, I really don't know. And if somebody came up to you and said, are you happy? You'd go, well, you know, let me think about it. Well, I stubbed my toe last night and had to pay that bill. And you'd think of negative. You'd default back to the negative part of your life. So we've been going through this series on purpose, and we're doing it on Sunday morning at 930, but also now in the service. Next week, the only time you'll hear it is during my sermon. Uh, Gwen will be talking about, again, the transformation process as we go into the habits during our Christian education time period in the next uh, season. Again, when you understand how important it is to do the things in your life every day on a consistent basis, it will bring results, big results later. Let me just give you a cue and then we'll go ahead and pray and get into today's message there's something about doing a habit. And some of us right now, there's brain synapses that are firing and you go, well, I got the habit of doing this every day, this every day. And all of us, some, to some extent, have a, a habit or a, a routine, you could call it. It's a system of doing things. And any time that that system is kind of thrown out of whack, you, you realize it. But let me give you that there's always four steps that we're going to be talking about in its cue craving, and then it's response, and then it's reward. Very, very simple habit that we all do that is unconscious, but we just do it to solve the problem and get what we need, and it's becoming happy. Let me, let me again, small, we're going to start small today, just because it's not here yet, it's in February. But what do you do as a habit when you walk into a room in your house that's dark? You turn on the light, and therefore you get light. And why is that good? Because you can see. So when you go into a dark room, the habit is you got a cue, it's dark in here, and you have a craving to be able to have light. So you response, flick on the light, and you're in the room, and the reward is now you can see what you need to get. We're going to be talking about developing habits in our life. Some of them are spiritual, but some of them are just to become better at who God has created you to be. 
that time, those seconds that were all given, 86,400, they, they go that quick that we begin to put things into place and we become knowledgeable about what we're doing in order to hope for a better tomorrow. What makes you happy? Let's pray. Father, today as we get into this message, again, let us be open with ourselves and you to be able to have you speak into our life things that, God, some of us are unaware of. But a lot of us are aware of that, God, that you bring it back to our minds that we might not just know the Word of God, but be doers of your Word. In your name we pray. Amen. We, we've talked about in previous weeks that it, it's what makes you happy. And it's not, you could say, no thing. Nothing. No thing. It's, a, it's about a who or two, and that's true. And in, I love that. I got to keep using that every week. Anyway, it's not about a thing, nothing. It's about a who. And it's our relationships. And we talked about how in knowing that God says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, that, that we realize that it is in getting and receiving peace with God that gives us peace with ourselves that equips us to make peace with others. And in having that peace, there's something about that the process that is going through that leads us to happiness. I, I've talked about, and Gwen, during the morning hours, talked about how God has told us it's not a now thing. But it's a sowing to happiness will eventually, not immediately, but eventually lead to our happiness. It's what we're doing today, and again, that process that leads us to what God says is a better future. Yeah, happiness. This morning, I, I want to talk about the confusion between pleasure and happiness. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those job, I guess, requirements of a pastor to see this happening. And I think to some extent, all of us have seen it happen, where we see people, and it's almost like a train wreck coming, and you just go, oh... Please stop that because you know things that are developing and going to lead to a result that, that's not good. And because God says that in this life there's going to be trouble, not if there's trouble, there's going to be trouble. I thought that was kind of funny. I heard somebody say, you don't see that on Hallmark cards. There's going to be trouble, you know. But we know that, so why would we lead ourselves to be putting things in our life that's going to be more trouble and those things will begin to, to build a confusion. And we're going to be talking about the relationship with pleasure and happiness because I think a lot of times when we talk about this, we think of something that will give us pleasure immediately, that will lead to pleasure. The Bible says that Jesus has laid his life down for us. And anyone who lays his life down for you is for you. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we all know if, if you've been alive more than a few years, you know what a thief is. A thief that is someone or something that will come into your life and steal something of value from you. Has anybody ever had a thief steal something from you? Let me see your hand. Gwen and I, we had... Uh, we were just starting our family, and it was in a in a house different than we lived in now. 
or do live in now. And, and one day, Gwen comes into the house in the back door, and she has just left me at lunch. And she comes in the back door, and somebody's in there. She goes, John, is that you? And a guy comes out of our bedroom door with some stuff in his hand. And, and he sees her, and she's, you know, she's not even five foot. But she's almost eight months pregnant. And she realizes at that moment, that ain't John. And he runs out of the front door, and Gwen, being who she is, lifts her dress and runs after him, yelling, Ah! Thief! Thief! Which our neighbors, you know, they did the Three Stooges routine and ran into each other. Somebody jumped in their car and tried to find him, but it was no good. They didn't find him. So we know a thief. And there's something about the days that followed that. We were, our senses were on alert. It was a group of kids. They were in a station wagon that later the license plate was run and it was a stolen vehicle too. So they'd even stole the car that they were in. Somebody at the police said it was probably a, a, a gang initiation. And, and what? He wasn't a thief, but he was also a gang member. And so there was just something that was surreal about that situation that all of a sudden we realized that there was a thief and that he had targeted our family. We we had hardwood floors, and if you've ever had hardwood floors, they creak when the temperature changes. So there were nights when I would wake up thinking, there's a thief in the house. But here here's what's something. When... when when it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and it, we know that the thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy from us, but why is it that our alert begins to diminish over time when we don't think the little starting point could be today that he tries to steal from us or kill us or destroy us? Now, I'm not going to argue about the thief in this passage being the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub. I know that there's an enemy. But I want to take another approach to this because I think that a lot of times that we give the enemy too much credit in being the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy something that we have a value. And here's what I mean. This is going to be kind of a downer for some of you, but who in your life, not, not anybody else in your life, has the greatest potential that is around you every day, that has the greatest potential of derailing your life? You. Now, that, that's not too fun to think about. But I want to read it again. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You're telling me, Pastor, that there could be a part of me that sabotages my own life? Have you ever heard people use it in this terminology, I'm my worst enemy? If I ever did that, I couldn't live with myself? In, in, in this context, I want you to see this because here's why I know and here's why I can say it because I am one. I'm a person. 
And if I'm not careful, John Miller will sabotage his own life and there's things in my life that I'm working on and hopefully you're working on in your life. And here's why I know that it's our fault. Because you bought it, you leased it, you smoked it, you drank it, you ate it, ate it. You dated it. Some of you married it. (laughs) John 10.10 says, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's the difference. Listen, Jesus says, I... No, whoa, whoa, whoa. That comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and you might have it to the full. Now the English word full doesn't have the ring of the King James, which if you've grown up here in the King James, it is what? That, you've, that I've come to give you life to the abundant. Now, that, that tells you something. And if you go back, as I studied in the Greek, that that word is that I will give you some, something. I'll give you life that is not among the common practice of people. This, this is above average life. Not only am I going to give you life, but I'm going to give it to you abundantly. The, the next part of that in verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. Which you can imagine the listeners at that time were going, okay. We can, we can understand shepherd because they're, they're an agricultural culture and they're saying, okay, so you're the good shepherd. How good are you? Which he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, look at the comparison. I give, the thief steals. I build, he destroys. I protect, and he kills. I know that sometimes that when you hear something like that, you go, you know, I don't know if I like to be compared with sheep because a lot of people know that study sheep, they're not, let's say they're, they're not too smart. They're dumb. Can, can I remind you again? You bought it. You leased it. You ate it. You drank it. You smoked it. You dated it, and aren't you glad that there isn't more space on this that we could list all the stupid things that we've done? And and you could say it this way, you've made some bad decisions. I'll be here all night, all right. But here's what I know. Not only are you sometimes a thief in your own life, but you're not the only thief in your life. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. And, and the, the whole, you know, the, the Word of God begins to bring out this, this consequence called sin. And we talked about the, the way that we believe it as Christians is sin and, and whatever you're interpretation of sin, the main thing that we know and we believe is what we should not be doing, you could sum it up as that, that is not what the Word of God says that is best for our life. Sin. We, we talked about how sin separates relationships. Is that not true? Wherever sin is, that there is death. 
Sin separates us from God. Sin comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You could say sin ensnares. Now, but even though that we're sitting in this room today hearing someone speak about this, and we go, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I know that personally. Why is it that we keep being drawn to that? Now remember, the whole subject that we're talking about is what makes us happy. What makes you happy? Here's the confusion, and here's the whole thought of today's message, is the confusion between pleasure and happiness. Now, now before I get going, I want us to remember that we have the capacity for both. Because some people will leave today, and all they'll hear is, Pastor John didn't want me to do any kind of pleasure. Just kind of sit in the corner and look at the wall all day. and Read the Bible. I'm not saying that. And I almost had a handout that said, Pastor John is not saying that. But God has given us the capacity to do both. But so many times that one will undermine the other and we will not have either one. Pleasure or happiness. Now, now think about this. If God created us to have the capacity to have pleasure and happiness, think about the, some of the things that God actually created. And because we're church, you know, you don't hear or used to, didn't hear a lot about sex in the church. But I want you to realize that God created sex. Hallelujah! There's people going, don't look to the left or right. Can you imagine that God gets this idea in heaven and the angels go, what, what are you thinking about? You want to understand. Do you realize that God's first miracle was He created wine out of water? Come on now. All these things that sometimes we think that God doesn't want us to have any pleasure in life, it's not true. Ladies, let me give it another step here. <clears throat> Are you listening down here on the front row? All the disciples had shoes. Pleasure. What's your pleasure today? Think about it. I'm not talking about happiness. Just what, what causes pleasure that you indulge in? There's something though, that, that there's a difference between, that, that some of us feel like, again, that God doesn't want us to have pleasure, but somehow He wants us to be happy The question isn't either or. The question is priority. Happiness versus pleasure. Prioritize pleasure over happiness and eventually you'll have neither one. Eventually pleasure loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. Have you ever understood the law of diminishing return? You know, people say, you know, I used to drink a half a cup and then it was a full glass and it was two and then it was three and I didn't know what time I came in and I don't remember what I did last night. There was always something that led to something and pretty soon you had to have more and the pleasure was fleeting. 
And that's why people will go through life and they'll be going from one thing to another and, and always looking for happiness. But all they're doing is going from one thing that they think is going to bring them happiness, which is pleasure. And a pastime leads to a pathway that leads to an addiction that leads to robbing you of your happiness. Now, let me give you a thought that Paul says, and then in the middle of this thought, he'll connect with what Jesus said in his, again, processing what Jesus said earlier. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Paul says this, Don't you know, which is his terminology in that day, by saying, No, no, really? <laughs> Seriously? You don't know this? Doesn't everybody know this? It's almost like, do I have to say this? He says, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. And you go, no, I don't get that. Say it again. Okay, so I'm going to say it again. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as their obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, again, wherever there's sin, there's death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, now let me say it again, but I'm going to summarize it in this whole thing of comparing pleasure with happiness. Listen, did you, did no one tell you when you offer yourself to pleasure, you become pleasure slave? But when you offer yourself in obedience to God, you have peace with God, and peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. Here's what I know. Is when we get in a place in our life that we aren't happy, something happened in our life, and again, th these are the things that we're going to be talking about in habits, and what cues it is that we come to a situation where we're not happy. And we get to the place where something happened. Like, can, you know what pushes your button? When somebody says something, or you get a circumstance in your life that's not happy, I mean, a bill might come in and you're going, man, whatever it is that, you know, the husband, the wife said something, and he doesn't love me. Nobody let whatever it is that pushes your button that makes you feel like I'm not happy. We know something that we go to, the pleasure in our life that will bring us that immediate feeling, emotion of happiness. What is it in your life? Think about it. It might be something that's not illegal. It might be illegal. It might not be something immoral or unethical, but it might be unethical. All pleasures are not bad. All pleasures are not sin. But what is it that makes you feel better and you opt out for than, than staying the course in order to feel better? Again, according to Jesus, it's sowing and reaping is a process and it goes back the other way. What is it that you're going for? Now listen to this. 
John 10.10 again says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. In this time period where you're in that, what am I going to opt out for? The pleasure in my life. Following Jesus is, is so much different than believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus won't do anything for you. But following Jesus will make you better in life and make your life better. And this is the part where you go, you know what, in following Jesus and staying on this track, I'll be happy in the long run versus sabotaging it for just something quick. Now, stay with me. Again, the title of the message, the series, is How to Be Happy. When we're talking about something that we've put in place of our God as a slave, something that we go back to and we go back to and we go back to, and what we do is we say, that is it. That's what's going to bring me happiness, that pleasure. It might be an addiction in your life. It might be something that you know You know it's wrong as putting it number one in your life. I'm not talking about... You, you can have uh, the ability to spend money on clothes. But if you're, able, if you're not able to pay your debt and your family is going down and down because you opt out for that pleasure to bring you immediate, you think, happiness... You're robbing yourself and you're taking from the people that you love. But it's not just money. It's, not, it, it, it's so many other things that we put as pleasures in our life, whatever it is, that we put it above what God says is best for your life. Now, let, let me bring this to an end. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Maybe it's beginning to undermine the happiness in, in, in somebody in your life, your wife or your husband or your children or your family. And, and something that you said is a pastime now has become a pathway to an addiction that is becoming Lord of your life. Is there a pleasure that might be to the place that now you're not able to say no to? That when it knocks on the door, you, you just gotta, you gotta open it. And again, is there pleasure that's beginning to function as a warden? As as you're in this prison, you're saying, I just can't stop. I, I, I'm, I'm on the right track and it just seems like I keep. You're losing your freedom to say no. And you prioritize pleasure over your own happiness. I think that sometimes there's even people that will go negative and throw a fit and say things that they know they shouldn't because that will bring them pleasure that will solve the problem of people not doing what they think in their life. They're going to something that is wrong. 
So here's the challenge. Today, maybe you come to the point where you're willing to trade the sin for a good shepherd. Somebody that says, you know what? If you follow me, I've come to give you an abundant life. And it won't happen over time, but as you follow me and your life begins better, you'll realize that there's happiness for you. Because we'll substitute the eventual and the lasting for something quick and temporary. Just to have a different emotional state. To bring back an emotion that will put us in a better, happy spot. But we know it's not good. I want to wrap this up by giving you a chance to just kind of process. Can, can I talk to you just for a minute, men? Ladies, talk among yourself. I know that I kind of know sometimes, gentlemen, that there's things in our life that we know that we shouldn't be a part of that brings us pleasure, whatever it might be. And and I know that we're smart enough to go, I don't need that. But here's what we have a tendency to do is we'll, we'll, we'll get in the car and because we're kind of smart, we'll say to our wife, wow, that was good. I know that I need to work on that. But that's kind of what terminology we use is, <laughs> but I'm not going to do nothing about it. Has your kids ever ask you for something? You go, we'll see. If you're a mom and dad, you know what that means. <laughs> and gentlemen, I, I know that we're a lot better, and ladies, we're a lot better on not fooling ourselves by saying, we're just going to start cutting back. We're much better to just cut it out. And, and my hope and my desire is for us to be happy. Why again? Because as we're healthier, you're going to love me and I need some love. And your neighbor next to you needs some loving. And we need some encouragement. And because a lot of times we'll, we'll go in through our whole community of people that we go and we touch every week and nobody's healthy. God's calling us as believers to be healthy. And so, so this morning, it, it just for a few minutes, sometimes it's easier to process. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes so that you can just focus on this. This is an opportunity to take what we're doing and realizing that it's stealing and killing and destroying our lives. And it's robbing the people that are around us of happiness. But the most important person for each of us is that it's robbing ourselves of happiness. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness today? Can you answer this question? 
why not acknowledge it and have freedom today? And just say, God, forgive me of that. I want to put you number one in my life. Because God, I know that you want me to have happiness. And the only way that I'll do that is to follow you as the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, today you see each of our hearts. And God, there's no need for us to argue with ourselves or argue with you. Because we both, both of us know where we're at. We know if there's a pleasure in our life that is robbing us of a short-term happiness we might get, but long-term, we're not happy. We've been putting things in a square peg in a round hole, trying to make it fit, trying to make the happiness happen in our life, but it's not going to work until we choose to follow Your way. And Father, even though that other people might know know it or not know the pleasure that we're opting out for. But God, today that we know that. And God, it's so much easier for John Miller to stand up here and say it than himself go out and live it. I know that. But God, I pray that not only have we got knowledge today, but God, that you give us the strength to live what we know. God, today is our our decision and our desire is to serve you more. And our decision is to put to rest all these things that keep knocking on our door that says, I'll give you happiness. Father, all the distractions that surround us, God, we know that you can be in the middle of our middle. And if we're not careful, we don't see you. But God, we say no to the enemy and we say yes to you. Yes to you. Even when we can't see You, God, we can't touch You. God, we know that You're with us. And Father, we choose You. In Your name we pray. Amen. This morning, I would like you to respond to the message. And instead, I hope nobody feels like you're in a desperate situation because the commitment to God gives you freedom. And would you stand this morning and just respond by confessing out of your mouth the words of this song. Let your ears hear it. Pastor, I'm not a good singer. It doesn't matter. Talk the words. Let your ears hear the confession of this song. God, I might feel surrounded, but God, I'm surrounded by you.